Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. I'm excited to bring you the first in a multi-part series sponsored by Contrast & Co., an award-winning brand strategy and communications agency determined to build the most strikingly different brand experiences anywhere. Today, we're going to talk about an interesting idea that Contrast & Co. applies to their branding. What makes you different is what makes you. We're going to talk about what this means and how brands that apply this idea create a memorable and valuable experience for their customers. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Dharma Packner, founder and chief creative officer at Contrast & Co. Dharma, welcome to the show. Greg, thank you. It's, it's, it's a huge honor to be here. I think, I know, I guess we first interacted a few decades ago and we took some different paths in our, in our, in our industries, but I'm so happy to see your success with the books and the, and the podcast. And I'm really excited to be to be a, uh, to get started and be a part of this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know. I think it's it's actually been a couple decades, hasn't it? That's that's crazy <laughs> to to think. Um, so yeah, look looking forward to to talking about this all of this with you. So uh, why don't why don't we get started by you giving a little background on yourself as well as what you're currently doing? Sure. Yeah. For sure. I think. Um, if it's helpful, I'll start at the beginning a little bit. And like, uh, so I always start with my name and my name's Dharma Jeeva Packner. And my name is a result of a, a collision of cultures. That's probably a story for another day. But but the short version is my father was an architect uh, from New York who worked for the World Bank. And my mother grew up in, in real poverty in India. And she somehow managed to transcend that and became a, uh, a stewardess with British Airways. And she met my father on a flight. It was 25 years her senior they corresponded for a couple of years. And then a few years later, my brother, sister, and I were all born and we were all born in different countries and on, and on different continents. And we, we traveled the world to up until I was about seven. And then we settled here first in DC and then Montgomery County in the late seventies or uh, in the late seventies. And I just kind of remember like from, from the beginning, like feeling a little bit different. Like I, I had a good childhood. I, I went to the small like Catholic elementary school. I, I had tons of great friends there, but like from the beginning, I think my cultural background made me feel different. I felt different as a result of my cultural background. There was like, there was no other dharmas in my class. There was Justin's and there was Danny's and there was like three or four Michael's and, but there was no other dharmas. And we had, uh, once a year at school, they would have these pizza nights and everybody, uh, and parents would come and kids would come and, and just kind of, it was, it was a really enjoyable night. And my mom would always insist on wearing her traditional like Indian garb, her saris to these events. And if you've ever seen them up close, they're just like explosions of color and fabric and light and texture. 
And as like a 10-year-old boy, I was just mortified. I felt like our family stood out like a sore thumb. And I didn't want really any part of being different. And that, and that feeling kind of really stayed with me throughout adolescence, definitely high school and, and also like really college. And I kind of floundered in college quite a bit. I, I changed majors a half dozen different times. I ended up graduating in five and a half years with an English degree, which turned out to be super useful. But it was only after college I discovered design. And it was this it's sort of a string of serendipitous events that led to it. But I was, I was in a room. And, and somebody showed me Adobe PageMaker for the first time. And I'm showing my age now for sure. But like my mind was just blown. I was just, I, I couldn't understand what I was seeing in front of me. And then I learned about the design is this philosophy that, that embraced and celebrated the things that were unique. Like those were the things that were like powerful and memorable and, and effective. And I think I just needed that philosophy existentially. Like uh, I think I needed it to sort of in, ingrate in, in, into my life and, and I was kind of just determined to become a designer at that point. So I was a couple of years out of college, but I basically like just read every design book I could find on the planet, like cover to cover. They used to have these giant like Photoshop Bibles and illustrated Bibles. Yeah. They were like all the size of like phone books. And I would just read them and read them and practice. And, and I couldn't get a job in the industry. Like this was well before the internet and web and all that. And so you just waited till the Washington Post came out on the print version of Washington Post came out every Sunday and you would look for jobs as a designer and I didn't have a degree in design. I didn't have a portfolio. So I kind of just couldn't get a job in the industry. And then I ended up starting out at Kinko's where I kind of worked there in their computer services department for, for three years. And then from there, I just worked my way into certain side doors in the agency world. And then in, in uh, kind of just kept sort of climbing up. And then in 2015, I started contrast with my partner, Karen, with the goal of us being like the one of the leading branding agencies in the world. And and we've been kind of just riding that ridiculous train uh, every day since. Nice, nice. That's great. Yeah, I, I remember um, in college, I it was, it was Photoshop for me. I, I do remember PageMaker to date myself as well, but I was an architecture major and then I switched to photography. I ended up graduating with a photography degree, but, you know, Photoshop and illustrator and macromedia director and stuff like that, you know, really kind of just changed the, the trajectory of my career. So definitely, um, you know, influential times and, and stuff like that. <laughs> One of my favorite tools from that era, and I wish it had survived was flash. I think flash yeah. was so instrumental in so many ways and really was kind of like the foundational framework for some of these things that came after it. So those early generation tools, yeah, yeah, I know. I I started using. I guess it was. It started out as Macromedia before it became Adobe, and then yeah, that's yeah. It was it was interesting times for sure. So let's um let's let's get started here by talking about you know what I mentioned at the beginning. What makes you different is is what makes you. Let's let's start there. What does that mean, and how does that apply to branding? Yeah, for sure. So. Well, we, we officially just came up with that as our tagline recently. Like what, what makes you different is what makes you. But but really, it's kind of first, it's my life philosophy at this point. And it, it took me a bit, about 52 years to sort of embrace that as as a, as a way of sort of thinking and as a way of living. But but I think when it comes to from a from a branding perspective, the opportunity is like, how can you really like lean into the things that, that make you different as an organization? So whether it's your product, whether it's your platform, whether it's your operating philosophy and your origination story, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is 
that specifically like that makes an organization unique in this space. That's the thing we build around from a brand perspective. That's that's essentially like where you begin. That's where you start. Yeah, yeah. And so why uh, why branding specifically? You know, when we first met, you know, mentioned earlier in the show, you were you were leading interactive and UX with Rock Creek Strategic Marketing, which later went on to become Chief. You happen to be we we share we had Carousel Thirty, my agency had a virtual office in that same building. So, you know, we had met through that. And, but, you know, how did you um, get into branding from from Interactive? Yeah, no, that that's a great question. I think, you know, when I started out, I just started out as a designer and I just, I absolutely loved it. I mean, I did it mornings, I did it nights, I did it whenever I could sit down and design. I, I just wanted to design. And I was working for a nonprofit. I was working as a graphic designer for a nonprofit association at the time. And they had this thing coming out like called the internet and they needed like design graphics for the internet. And they asked me if I would, you know, if I was willing to sort of take it on. And I was, and it was one of those things where I just loved it. Like I loved combining both the creative aspect of design and all of the inherent problem solving that comes with that. But I loved mixing that with coding. Like I loved learning like HTML and CSS markup and, and, and I loved action script. And, and it was for whatever reason, the combination of the creative stuff and then sort of the technical side in coding, just like engaged my brain in like a really like meaningful way. Like I could just do it like nonstop for, for, for days and days in a row. And then I just kind of got to the point where I was getting to the level of programming where it was like, object-oriented JavaScript and all this stuff where I just sort of was hitting my my natural limit in terms of what I think I could do well. And so from there, I, I transitioned over into, I loved sort of the web design. So I transitioned over into UX and all of that. And I did that for about 10 years and really sort of complex like UX, UI bills. And as, I, as my career was transitioning from the practitioner, like the person creating the wireframes, to the person actually facilitating the presentations and, and walking clients through like wireframes or information architecture, early design concepts or user flows or what have you. But what I found is I was creating these really elaborate like presentations for clients, UX presentations for clients. Like I was writing these narratives. I was introducing this new visual vocabulary. And I think, but it turns out like I was doing branding and I just, I didn't know that's what it was at the time. I thought, I was just sort of kind of framing out the case I was making for the websites and the, the interactive experiences I was showing, but it was really kind of branding. And once I kind of just, once I discovered that, I just, I, I really just enjoyed it. And I was, I was the head of interactive at a, at a pretty big agency. I just expressed my interest in taking on more and more and more brand projects. And there was definitely like a learning curve to it. But once I got the bug for it, like all of a sudden designing interactive experiences just wasn't as appealing. Like, what you could do from a brand perspective was just so much more powerful, like was so much more interesting. So I just kind of, kind of kept pushing off in that direction, and then so ultimately just kind of ended up really putting my focus in that space. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, you know, speaking as as someone who has done this as well, you know, why start your own agency, and and you know, why did why did you choose the the name Contrast? Yeah, no. So, well, a couple reasons. One is like, well, first off, like if somebody had told me, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I would own my own design agency in no way, shape or form would I have ever believed that would have been possible. I mean, mm -hmm. 
when you start off in like the computer services department in Kinko's and no offense to Kinko's or anything, but that was post-college and I spent three years in that computer services department and it, it, a, it keeps you pretty humble. But I think more importantly, it was like a super wonderful experience in that like it taught you to move really, really quickly. Meaning like yeah. somebody came in and wanted a flyer, a brochure, a logo, a business card, whatever it was, like it wasn't an agency. Like you didn't have the luxury of waiting for inspiration to strike. You didn't have the luxury of somebody framing out project requirements. You didn't even have the luxury of having a day to do it. You sometimes would have a half hour to come up with it. So you had to learn to like conceptualize, like while people were talking, like you had to learn and master like the finger dance and the keyboard shortcuts for like every single program. And I just, and I think like from there, I just sort of gradually climbed into desktop publishing, but it was about eight years or so before I worked for an actual agency before, like, you know, I was sort of an official, what I would call an official designer. And at each stage of my career, I thought, okay, I'm at the pinnacle, like this is the top. And then I had these two real formative experiences that kind of changed everything. One is, as you had mentioned earlier, Chief, I had been brought on as the as the creative director and I was one of the founding partners. I had a pretty solid equity stake in, in, in the agency and um, I wasn't ready. Like I wasn't emotionally ready. I, I don't think I was mature enough. I wasn't prepared for the, for the inevitable turbulence of a startup. And so I ended up, I had a good offer for another organization. So I ended up walking away and they went on to become super, they're great guys. And they went on to become super successful. And in the back of my head, it always gnawed at me. I had sort of walked away from this opportunity I had. And, and that was the first event. And then the second event was the agency I had ended up going to. I was, I was the VP and the creative director and they were the, they were the biggest shop in DC. So I was at first, I was, you know, I was blown away and I was so happy about it. But then what I started realizing was like being big and, and being sort of being able to be sort of creatively unique were these diametrically opposed concepts. Like as it was with these bigger organizations, keeping a creative idea from inception to completion intact and is very difficult. And it's like with a bigger agency, it becomes about like processes and egos and all of these things that have nothing to do with design. So I just became frustrated and I just kind of became convinced like a really small focus group of people in a really, in a really sort of positive creative environment that sort of married the best things I had ever experienced together would be the best opportunity to do that. So that was sort of the goal with what we set out to do. But I think in terms of like the name itself, like we wanted to like the name, there was no other choice. Like, I think we wanted to name it after our objective, which was essentially like contrast, right? Creating things that can strikingly, creating strikingly different brand experiences. And like in design, when I was going through and like learning about the principles of design, like there are rules, like there are rules for like what makes something look good. And contrast was one of those rules. And to me, it was like by far the my favorite one. So I think like from a naming perspective, it, like it just seemed like, I just seemed like the natural choice. But the other part of the name and the thing, you know, we call ourselves our street names contrast, but like the Anco, the second part of our name, like that's where the heavy lifting is. I mean, that's really the team that we've built and, and, and we've amassed. And they're the ones like, they're the ones that behind all the work we're doing and, and all of that. So, so our name's kind of a reflection of both of those ideas. It's, it's a reflection of what we're creating or what we're trying to create for our clients with their brands. And it's also sort of a reflection of what we think is required from the people or the people required to sort of create it. Before we continue, I want to tell you about the upcoming AI4 2023 conference. 
August 7 through 9 in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand. AI4 2023 brings together business leaders and data practitioners to facilitate the responsible adoption of artificial intelligence and machine learning technology. The conference features leaders from brands like Amazon, JP Morgan Chase, CVS, Estee Lauder Companies, UPS, New York Life Insurance, United Healthcare, and many more. While it's not specifically for marketers and CX professionals, there are plenty of topics both directly and indirectly related to the work you do every day. To learn more and register for the conference, go to ai4.io slash USA slash register. That's ai4.io slash USA slash register. And you can register with the code AgileBrand for 15% off your registration. That's AgileBrand, all one word. I'm excited to hear from this amazing lineup of speakers and thought leaders and hope to see you in Las Vegas. Make sure to register at ai4.io slash USA slash register with the code AgileBrand for 15% off your registration. Now let's get back to the show. And so you mentioned contrast being a, an important component of of branding, of, of design. So you know, can you talk about that a little bit more? You know, why why does contrast matter in, in branding? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for for a million reasons, right? So, but I think like one of the biggest ones is like, how does an organization get noticed? Like how how does an organization get seen? So like take take a cybersecurity client for or t- cybersecurity organization for example. Like cybersecurity, it's a super cr- a critical industry. There's you know new threats or are lurking everywhere. And say, say you've come up with, you're an engineer and you've come up with this algorithm and this platform that can completely eradicate ransom, right? You can just wipe out ransomware completely. The challenge is you've got 5,000 other companies that are saying the exact same thing, the exact yeah. same thing. So when you're the buying audience, when you're a chief technology officer, or chief information security officer, you are looking at a staggering array of products and platforms and you're trying to determine like, what is this? Like, what is, how is it different? What does it replace? Like, why is it better? And I think with branding, like if you've got a brand that stands out powerfully in the space, first off, it helps you get remembered. Or first off, it helps you get noticed. It helps you get remembered. But I think more importantly than that, it can be a really a springboard into, into sort of deeper conversations around your organization, the product, the platform. It can sort of tee up for success in, in a lot of different ways. And it really is one of those things like, it's not just about that immediate impression. It's not just about sort of attracting an eyeball and getting somebody to stop and pay attention for a second. It's about sort of creating a foundational framework that's built on this sort of powerfully unique idea, whatever that idea is, but that this framework is designed to pay off sort of constant dividends in terms of marketing and, and communication. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about this in, in the example you just gave, but you know, how, how does this thinking about contrast apply in the industry? And you know, what are some of the primary challenges in bringing this philosophy to life? Yeah, no, for sure. Well, the, the cyber example is probably a good example of like just, you know, for, for organizations struggling to, to stand out and, and, and be seen and, and be noticed. But really, honestly, it's across industries, right? It's not just cybersecurity. It's not just technology. It's in hospitality. It's in healthcare. It's it's in the legal space. Like whatever space we're in, you see this like you see this like sea of similarity where organizations use the exact same conventions to tell their stories, like the same design of their 
heroes on their websites. Like sometimes they're using the exact same photography. And I think part of the challenge is everybody wants to avoid risky. Uh, everyone wants to avoid standing out. And sometimes the challenge is people don't know how how to differentiate themselves. So I think the the opportunity in, and I think to, to, to speak to your question, like what's the challenge of bringing that philosophy to life is like, People are sometimes afraid of standing out. Like people, every people are sometimes afraid of risk, which is why I think it's absolutely critical that you have to communicate like the thought process. And and the the best bit of advice I ever got in the industry, and it's from somebody I think you know, Chris Lester, who was just just yeah. one of the most yeah. valuable and, and important people I've ever had in my life. He was my old boss at, at at Chief in Rock Creek, but he taught me once. He was taught me that you don't ever sell. You, you always sell the thinking, don't sell the work. You want your work, by the time you're presenting your work to somebody, whether it's a logo, a brand, a website, whatever it is, by the time you're presenting it, you want it to feel inevitable, right? You want to tee up the thinking and the approach that went into it so so that the work just feels like a natural extension of of the thinking that that, that led to it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. What's the most important concept that you can convey to people about branding? Oh God, there's so there's so many. I mean, <laughs> the a, a brand is a million things, but but I think like if I had to distill it down to one thing, it's like really great brands. I think are just likable. Like if you think about like the value of a brand to an organization, it's incalculable, right? From a sales perspective, a brand is valuable. From a visibility and marketing perspective, it's valuable. From a recruiting and retention perspective, it's valuable. It's valuable for so many different reasons. But before it's any of those things, like a lot of times a brand, the first time people encounter it or the first time people see it, it's just a feeling. And that feeling gets like quickly, quickly rationalized by other things. But like that, a lot of times a brand experience is an instinctual reaction. And I think from a design and a messaging perspective, it's an opportunity to think about like, how do you create an experience that's immediately, that immediately engages, that immediately creates an emotional connection. And then how do you make sure that experience is balanced with enough like that, uh, depth and substance to make sure that people can successfully move throughout the entire, the entire brand journey? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like that you mentioned experience there because I, I do think it's, and more and more so it, brands are something that consumers want to experience and also that they they're differentiating between other brands based on experience. I mean, I read the other day a, a stat that the experience that a customer has with a brand is sometimes as important, if not more important than the product or service itself, right? So that's that's kind of, you know, taking a step back, that's that's kind of sobering to think about. You know, we spend so much time trying to market products and services or brand them or whatever. And yet, you know, the experience itself is now equal, you know, in, in many cases to that. So it's great that your definition of, of branding incorporates that experience too. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I see so many times that we can get into this topic on another day, but I see so many times where the experience of the brand is a contradiction to what the brand is sort of promising and, and, yeah. and creating or is, is promising. So I, I also think like, as you think about the brand you're creating, it's like, how do you create a brand that you can sort of effectively like embody so that the experience feels like a sort of a, a real natural connection to the idea behind it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the future. 
So, you know, first, uh, what what has you most excited about about the future? Oh, like, well, like a, a million things as always. I mean, we're always just kind of <laughs> right. up to and try, trying different things out. We got our first, we're doing our first official pro bono, pro, we have our first official pro bono client and we've been doing some work for them and that makes me super happy. We've been doing, exploring a bunch of other tools and workflows and just kind of, you know, constantly being in this, in this, in a state of agility, I think to, to kind of coin your, your term. But I think we, uh, I read, I'm a self-help book junkie and one of the self-help books I read a couple of years ago. And it's wonderful. If you haven't read it, it's a, it's Atomic Habits by James Clear. But he introduces yeah. in that this idea of 1% better. And if you get like 1% better at something every single day, at the end of the year, you are 37 times better at that thing. And so like ever since I kind of discovered that philosophy, I'm just like excited about applying it to anything. Like how do we apply it to our brands? Like how do I apply it to my breakfast? Like how do we apply it to workouts? So I think like that has me excited about the future. A lot of these sort of incremental <laughs> optimization efforts, um, for, for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah. What about uh, you know what, what has you nervous about the future? Um, what has me nervous about the future? Uh, well, big picture, sort of outside of contrast, for sure. Like the thing that always like climate change, like that's number one, two, and three. Like, and I yeah. think more or we are trying to like look for opportunities where we can be like a part of the solution in whatever way that, in whatever way we can, we can be, I think, but kind of, kind of outside of that, I think the biggest thing for me probably to be totally honest is like chat GPT. And it's, it's one of those things, like I get it. I like a hundred percent get it. Like you have to embrace technology when it comes and, and all of these different things. And it like, it doesn't matter if chat GPT likes me or not. Right. It's going to continue to exist and continue to, um, and continue to thrive. But like, for me, and as, as sort of a, as a creative, as an agency owner, it's definitely going to change things in a pretty demonstrable way. And I think there might be some some natural benefits that come out of that, but I also think there's going to be some unforeseen like challenges and complexities. But for me, I guess what has me nervous about that is like, I don't know how, what my role would be and how I would want it to be. Cause like, I don't want to be a prompt engineer. Like I see like these right. title right. job titles showing up now on LinkedIn and then I'm not, no, I'm not disparaging the the title, but like, I don't want that to be my role. I've like, for me, like brand, and when I say brand in the broadest possible sense, where the brand or interactive experiences or what have you, like to me was the most enjoyable part was actually trying to solve the problem versus like feeding the computer enough information to solve the problem for you. So I think it's like, I, I struggle to get a sense of like how our agency will sort of fold in those technologies. And I struggle to determine like, how do I see my role? Like the thing does does this make the thing that attracted me to this industry and that made this industry so appealing, does it diminish that in some way? So I think, I think that's probably what has me most concerned. Yeah. Yeah. No, and there's a lot to, lot to still work out um, with that. Yeah. Agreed. So this is part of a, a series uh, brought to us by Contrast and Co. So, you know, I wanted to ask you, what are you going to be covering over the course of, of the series? You know, we've kind of just touched on at a high level today, but you know, wh wh what are you going to be talking about in, in the next few episodes to follow? Yeah. So there are a ton of stuff, actually. I think what we, uh, I think what we'd love to do is just kind of get into more of the specifics. I know I just kind of talked sort of big picture and, and high level today, but like really getting in the specifics of like, you know, we talk about this idea of creating strikingly different experiences, but like, like, how do you craft like a completely unique message if it's like if you can't, if your if your team can't 
articulate what makes your offering di different or how, how can you use color and shape to actually like stand out in the industry? So I think what we'll do is we'll like, we'll just do a deeper dive into, into more of the specific examples of how some of these, like sort of how the idea and theory of contrast can sort of be, a, be applied. And then from there we can, you know, we can kind of take it from there. I'm, I'm just super grateful for the opportunity and I want to make sure that this is as, as valuable as possible for your listeners. So I'm open to any additional feedback and, and, but the opportunity I think is to really just do a much deeper dive into, into some of these key ideas we discussed. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And looking, looking forward to it. Um, any last, uh, parting thoughts? No, I will. No, I mean, first off, thank you again for, for, for the opportunity. I'm, I'm super honored to be on, on, on the podcast and like, I love just, I should have, and I should have led with this. Like, I love the concept of agility and branding because I think it's like, it is a hundred percent. It's just a hundred percent critical. Like you can't, you don't build this sort of monument to your brand. You got to build this thing that, that can adapt and that can evolve and that can change on a moment's note. So I, I, I love the concept of, of, of the idea behind your podcast. I love that we had the opportunity to re reconnect. No, I think um, if, if you're, if you're interested in, if you're interested in finding out more, I think you can. You can reach me on our website, which is um, contrastandco.com. So contrastandco.com. Um, and you can also find me on LinkedIn. Again, Dharma Packner, D-H-A-R-M-A Packner, P-A-C-H-N-E-R. And then I'm, I'm kind of on social, but it's really random. But I think if on my website, it's probably the best way. Great, great. Sounds good. Well, again, I'd like to thank Dharma Packner, founder and chief creative officer at Contrast & Co. for joining the show. You can learn more about Dharma and Contrast & Co. by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.